Welcome to RSS, the Revolutionary Sports Front, your dirty, nasty, and controversial sports talk podcast for all things Detroit sports and sports worldwide. Here are your hosts, Tony, Joey, Frank, and Gerard, four lifelong friends born and raised in South Detroit. And we're back. Episode three, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Revolutionary Sports Front. I'm Joe. We got Tony and Frank here today. Frank, welcome back. Uh, we missed you last week, but we got Gerard. One of these days, we're going to get the whole uh, the whole four some of us together here. But, uh, but Frank, welcome back. Uh, you know, we were ripping you. You weren't here. It's a pleasure to be back. Thank you. I missed you too. Um, yeah, I was out of town last week. And look, I just got to start off by saying one thing. I've been uh, thinking about it since I listened to the podcast. Um, I can only speak for myself, but I would like to issue an apology to the fans for the language that occurred in last week's episode. Um, I was playing the podcast back because it's my job, and within 15 minutes, uh, it felt like I was listening to a rap album. Uh, <laughs> you got Jerry sounding like Easy e from N.W.A. There's F-bombs going everywhere, and, uh, you know, I, I think about the children, and I'm not trying to sound corny. And I'm, I'm, I defend guys with character issues all the time, but when it comes to that kind of stuff... Like I said, can only speak for myself. Had to get it off my chest. I won't be talking that way, and you can bleep me out if I do. Uh, well, I'm the one editing the show. <laughs> you want me to apologize for you? I, if you'd like, I, like I, I, I can only speak for myself, but I thought it was a little bit, uh, a little over the top. I know we're listed as explicit, but, you know, we got eight-year-olds out there, boys, and you have a brother, Joe. Well, well hey, for one, my brother will not be listening to this until he's, you know, at least 18 years old. Um... You know, basically, when he can walk into a rated R movies, when he's allowed to listen to this show. Two, uh, I may apologize to to Frank here and some of the fans for for maybe the one or extra uh, f bombs that were not really needed. But hey, um, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Okay, I'm here to talk sports. It was more Gerard than you. Gerard sounded like Slim Shady. <laughs> we're here to be controversial. All right. Well, we're, we're, we're all adults. We're butt. grown men. We can speak like adults. Well, you do that. I'll speak like a gentleman. But we move on. So now Frank's masquerading as a gentleman. Wonderful. Mm. (laughs) Let's 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 go. We got some Pistons stuff, or yeah, I was gonna say the first thing I kind of wanted to talk about today is the Pistons made a couple of trades this past week with the NBA trade deadline coming up. They uh, the first one was they acquired Tobias Harris from Orlando. For Brandon Jennings and Ersan Ilyasova, which Jennings is a guy that we picked up a couple years ago, and then Ersan Ilyasova is somebody who we'd signed in the offseason as a free agent, and it's one of those moves where both the Magic and Pistons are kind of flirting with the 7th A seed down to like 10th, 11th spot in the Eastern Conference. So it's one of those, both teams are looking to make a move to try and put themselves in the playoffs and in playoff contention. And so they made this swap. I thought it was, you know, a decent trade because Tobias Harris has a few years left on his contract, and he's a guy who, even though he's having a bit of a down year this year, he's had some good years in the past. And it's one of those things where, Stan Van Gundy sees him as somebody who can play well in his offense. I mean, he scored like 20 points off the bench in his debut the other night. So, 
I think he's going to have a good future with Detroit. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good trade. Um, look, looking at all like you know the mainstream sources, I you know I'm not much of the basketball guy. Uh, I'm having a hard but, time you know, staying awake too, Joe. But keep going. <laughs> but you know when when, you, when I read about it and I you know I look into it a little bit, uh, you know everyone seems to be giving it a pretty you know a plus thumbs up, uh, you know smiley face um, for, for that trade. I mean the, the trade makes sense. You know uh, it seems like Stan Van Gundy's trying to put together a young core. That you can kind of build up into a system, um, a, a group of guys that you know more, more or less the right guys rather than you know just you know some of the best players in the league. Um, and Tobias Harris fit, fits a certain mold that he wants. Um, I watched a, you know a little bit of clips on him on, on YouTube. Uh, he, he, look, he looks like a pretty good basketball player. Um, and then you know the second trade though is is really what kind of uh, kind of concerns me. Is, is giving up a first round pick. They're you know critics are raving. They didn't have to give up the first round pick to get Harris, and then they go and get two other guys that are more like projects, and they have to give up a first pick in, in that trade. So um, yeah, but that first round pick's a protected one for top eight this coming up draft, and then top ten in the next two drafts. So it's one where Stan Van Gundy is betting on himself, basically saying we're going to be a good enough team that we're going to be far enough down in the draft that I don't care if we lose this pick because our team's going to be so good. We're not going to get anybody that's going to come in and help us right away. Right. Uh, at the same time, though, I mean, maybe from a from a Red Wings mentality and being a fan of how, you know, the Red Wings do things at the trade deadline sometimes by not, by not just giving away all their, all their draft picks and things like that. Um, I just, I just, I'm, still, I'm still not a fan of, you know, a first-round pick for somebody who's not, you know – someone by the name of Dwight Howard or, or someone like that. You know what I mean? It's just it's – it's a lot of potential you're leaving on the table. Yeah, I just don't know about – I mean, Dwight Howard, there was a lot of talk about him getting moved at the deadline. But to me, even as a just casual NBA fan, you look around it, what has Dwight Howard done in his career? Every team he's been on, he's basically left town with everybody's happy that he's leaving because they're fed up with him and the way he's acting. Right, and I wasn't necessarily saying Dwight Howard, but, I mean, he's just a big name in basketball, you know what I mean? And if we're, you know, if the Pistons were, say, number one, two, or three in the conference going into the playoffs, and we give up a first-round pick for, for someone pretty good, it's like, okay, I really don't have a problem with that because we should be winning a championship. We're, we're looking at winning championships for a, a couple years now. That first-round pick isn't really going to help this team. This team is ready now, but for a team that's, Right on the cusp, and we, we talk about us versus the Magic on the cusp. I mean, we're we're at the number nine spot, and, and have plenty of uh, plenty of games left. We could definitely be up at the uh, six or five seed. Um, you know, it's it's just one of those things where you know next year you're hoping to be more in the middle of the pack rather than than chasing that playoff. You know, at this time of the year. So yeah, but, uh, I mean, it's just my thought process on it. I personally like both the moves just because it's the type of situation where you're building around Drummond. Drummond can't shoot a free throw to save his soul, but as a center in the NBA, he's a guy who's putting up almost 20 points a night, almost 20 rebounds a night, and that's going to help go a long way, and they're building around him. And they're building basically with Stan Van Gundy's pick-and-roll offense with all the other positions being guys that are quick and can shoot threes and move around the perimeter well. Yeah, I mean, the trade works. We're all gonna love it. 
you know, you, you just got to hope yeah. that it works, you know, for, for, for RC. I, I think that I'm a, I'm a big believer that the, the Tobias Harris uh, trade will work. And uh, right now I'm, I'm 50-50 on the second trade. I mean, the, the potential is there. I'm, I'm not going to deny that. Uh, I definitely see where you're going with it. It's just um, I'm not as big of a fan of it uh, as, the, as the Harris trade. Yeah, I mean, the second one, there are some question marks, but I'm sure that if Sam Van Gundy felt it's the right move, he's a guy who's in charge, so it's him, like I said, kind of betting on his career on it, where if it works out, he's going to look like a genius. If it doesn't, he's going to be looking for a new job again. Yep, that's true. You're absolutely right. So um, another, another thing we want to kind of uh, get into here is uh, spring training. We, it looks like we've begun spring training here. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on the Tigers this year? I mean, they just had pitchers and catchers report. I did like a lot of their off-season moves that they made. So now it's just kind of, uh, you know, see how well things work. I mean, I thought they've had pretty decent teams in the past, other than their bullpen. Though they've made a few moves to hopefully shore up the bullpen, even though they've lost some starting pitching. But uh, they signed that one, who did they sign, right? A few, like a month ago? The closer? No, it wasn't a closer. It was an outfielder. Or a reliever. They signed oh, the an outfielder. Upton. Upton, that's it. Yeah, they signed him, which, I mean, once again, they've added another offensive piece. It helps solidify their outfield because last year there was the whole platoon situation going on out there, and now it's kind of solidified. You know, we know who's going to be in the outfield. We know who's playing where, and it gives us another big bat in our lineup, which helps. This is one of those things where when you're opposing teams, you're looking at it as you got to face Cabrera, J.D. Martinez, Victor Martinez, Upton. So you got four guys right there that can sit in the middle of your order, and all of them are dangerous, and all of them can cause huge headaches and be a huge problem for the other team's pitching, which can help where we've lost some pitching if we can generate the offense. Even right. though in the playoffs we've seen, you know, pitching always beats offense. But one thing that I always wonder with the Tigers is what's going to happen with Osmus. I mean, his first year he's making some mistakes. And he went, okay, it's his first year. We can kind of let this slide. But then last year he's in his second year and he's still making stupid mistakes. I mean, one that really stuck out to me was last year they, they had a game. It was on ESPN. Cabrera got walked or hit a single. And they pull Cabrera for a pinch runner. And it's a situation where it's a tie game, and then you don't even try and steal or hit and run with this pinch runner you put in. And I'm sitting there going, why'd you pull him for a pinch runner if you're not going to try and advance him into scoring position right away? Because now all you've done is you've taken your best bat out of the lineup in a tie game where we could see the order turn around again, and now you got some guy you can't even hit up there in Cabrera's spot because you put him in as a pinch runner. Right. Yeah. I think I think the answer would be pretty obvious. There is, you know, he's got he's got year two, and he's making the same mistakes. I mean, that those are no longer mistakes; those are those are poor trends, and, and you gotta you gotta put action on that. Um, but it's you know, the, the Tigers have been very very busy this off season. It's been very interesting to see what they do. Uh, they also picked up Bobby Parnell, closer from the Mets. Uh, he had Tommy John surgery a couple years ago, so this last season. Well, it wasn't as uh, wasn't as good for him as it was the year before, uh, before before he got injured. But 
Um, they're, they're thinking with the healthy off season, more time to work out, similar to how Zetterberg was with his back uh, coming into this year versus last year. Um, he, he should have a little bit more zip on the ball, and uh, hope, you know, hopefully he's able to put some good throws together for us this season. Yeah, I mean, it is the whole you know modern medicine nowadays. You see a lot of guys blowing knees out and stuff like that, having Tommy John surgery, and they come back and they're just as good as they were before they left, which that is good because it does help extend good players' careers, though. I mean, some guys, we've seen it, they're not as good when they come back from the surgery. I mean, Strasburg had Tommy John surgery, and it took him a couple years to get back into the form he was before he had surgery. Right. So, yeah, it all depends. I mean, Another guy I'm kind of excited to see, um, he was more of a prospect when he first came up with the, the Tigers, and now we got him back, is uh, Cameron Maben. Um, looks like he's been having a pretty good career um, ever since we traded him for Miguel Cabrera, uh, if you remember that trade. Um, yeah, we got Cabrera and Dontrell Willis yep. for him and Andrew, for uh, Maben and Andrew Miller, which, I mean, that was one thing we traded two prospects for... Cabrera, who at that time was already one of the best hitters in baseball and definitely now is the best right-handed hitter in baseball. And Dontrell Willis, who, I mean, was a guy who had been an all-star and we thought maybe he'll come here and change his scenery, he'll turn his career around. Didn't quite work out for him here. And he didn't last, but I mean, still, I would have given up those two guys for Cabrera, even without giving Dontrell Willis in the deal. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Cabrera's obviously turned out to be uh, fantastic for us and it still is but it is kind of it is kind of cool to see uh, see Cameron Aiman continue continue his career uh, and now he's back so it's kind of cool that we're able to get him back and may, maybe uh, now they can make some things happen yeah I mean he he does have some speed and especially in a ballpark like Comerica which is a huge outfield out there you want some you need guys with speed to uh, Make sure that there's not too many uh, balls dropping because a lot of times if you get one to drop out there, it's pretty easy to turn it into a double or triple. Right, and then, you know, vice versa. You hit a ball out there and, uh, and you got a little bit of time. Um, speed is the difference between, you know, advancing one base versus two bases. Um, yeah. With those runners on, so that, that's a big deal. All right, so, guys. Well, I think we're losing fans. I'm going to go ahead and say RSF. All right, guys, welcome back to RSF. This is Frank. I uh, got my nap in last segment, so I'm fresh as a daisy. And during the break, we were just talking about the month of February and how dreary and dry and morbid it is. The holidays are over. There ain't much sports going on. We just talked, well, I didn't, but they just talked 10 minutes about spring training and the Pistons, which is a snooze fest. So we decided we want to have a little fun. And what's more fun than Johnny Football and Dada 5000? Okay, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, There was a fight that I thought was hilarious too, actually. Um, And Johnny Football, there's video cameras. We got all kinds of stuff to cover. We're going to have some fun. No more snoozing. Wake up, people. Joe, what do we got? So I do want to talk about Dada 5000 (laughs) because when I watched that, I'm not even sure if he got knocked out. He looked like he was standing there. And he was just so tired, he fell over from exhaustion. Like It was unbelievable. I it, thought he was getting ready for a fight. Like, I've what, never what seen something doing? like that. you got to give him credit. The guys are, what, one's 39, I think Kimbo is 42. But you got to be training for the fight. I mean, they were, they were like pushing each training. other in the face. Those weren't punches, they were shoves. 
with, with mittens. You know, and they were just going, and the, the fight started off. They were laying on top of each other. And these guys are, one, I think, Dada 5000, who I didn't even know who it was until I watched the fight, which was free, thank God. But uh, <laughs> I think he's like 264 pounds. Kimbo clocks in at about 230. They're rolling around, sweating on each other, breathing. And it was it was tough. I mean, Kim, I wanted Kimbo. And it was funny, too, because the gentleman, I, I was watching it with a couple of the fellas, and they were betting money on it. You know, they had, one of one of uh, Walter had $100 on it with – the Ken Shamrock people are betting money, and I couldn't believe it. But um, Kimbo ended up winning, which was cool. But the way he did, I mean, Dada just fell over. He just fell over yeah. like a dog. Yeah, and it, I mean, he, he couldn't even put his hands up. That was that was the best part. Is Kimbo was just kind of like, just he had any free shot he wanted, and he he could barely even lift his own hands to punch. The oxygen and, was uh, gone. Yeah, and, and then Dada just kind of you know. Just kind of trickled down to the mat. Was... How about that hairdo for Dada too? The red with the with the the holes in it. That was ridiculous too. <laughs> well, you know, you get a stupid name, you get a stupid haircut. I'm a grown ass man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, excuse the language. Sorry. I was gonna say I did see some reports about that fight that uh, Dada five thousand like his heart stopped or something when he was in the hospital after the fight because they took him out on a stretcher Jesus. because his potassium levels were super high. Because he caught something like 40 pounds to weigh in on weight for that Dada? fight. Yeah. What is he, 3'10"? Th- yeah, he's gotten 40 pounds. You see that gut on him, Mike. In like two days for that fight. And I mean, we've seen this before. There there was a guy in Japanese MMA just uh, a couple months ago who caught a bunch of weight for a fight. And he actually died from it because he was so severely dehydrated. And it's, I mean, these guys... I, the top level fighters usually they don't miss weight and they look good in their fights because they make sure that they don't let their weight get up too high and they slowly cut while training and then they only got to cut you know five ten pounds the day before the fight instead of these guys who are trying to cut 20 30 pounds the day before a fight and then a it's horrible for your body and b the next day they come out and they have no energy the next day either and we're talking about a different level of it, too. I mean, it's one thing in the UFC when they're doing it, but, I mean, you're talking about Bellator. I mean, these guys are, like I said, they're 39 to 42 years old. Shamrock, I mean, what is he? He's ripped, but what is he, 60, 55? These no, guys are he's old. Not, he's, he's not in his 50s yet. These are older gentlemen doing this. I mean, the bottom line, the fight was just, it was funny, but it was, I, I feel bad for the people in the audience. And then you get the Shamrock fight with the controversial uh, shot to the, the groin, if you want to call it that, the groin. Uh that was a whole other thing, uh, Gracie with the the, K, the TKO. I thought that was kind of cool, actually. But I was happy to see my friend win a hundred dollars too. So. so, I mean, it's one of those things where Ken Shamrock hoist Gracie. Third time they fought. The first time they fought was UFC one, and it's one of those things where it's a classic. And for Bellator, they're signing a lot of these ex UFC guys like Benson Henderson, who was a champion in the UFC. And a lot of these guys that are leaving the UFC right now, they're leaving over the Reebok sponsorship deal because they're not able to get money from sponsors and because they have to wear the Reebok fight kits now. And they can't, you know, wear their shorts that are covered in sponsors and they can't make all that sponsorship money. And for them, it makes more sense to jump ship and go to Bellator when their contract's up because they can still have their sponsors, especially when these guys make so much money off their sponsors. That makes sense. And so for Bellator, I think it was you put out names that have 
uh, huge, huge name recognition, such as Kimbo Slice, Dada 5000, Ken Shamrock, Hoist Gracie, for the more uh, old-school fans. Therefore, everybody's watching it, and the whole time they're promoting all their upcoming events with guys that are from, that were in the UFC that they now have and all their other events coming up, so that way hopefully that will gain you viewers there. No, it was definitely a big draw. They were hyping the fight really well, and like I said, I was just more disappointed with the results that actually came out with the two fights that I watched. I didn't watch the under under fights in the beginning, but it was fun. Dada 5,000, red hair, getting knocked out, stumbling around, a couple <coughs> of fat boys. It was, it was good old-fashioned fun. I just feel bad for the people that had to be sitting there and watch it, but yeah, that's a whole other story, but... What about Johnny? Let's talk Johnny. While we're having fun, we decided we're going to say bleep it and just have some February fun. And uh, we got a little bit of an update. It's kind of beating a dead horse, but there's something going on with Johnny, and we can t- talk about it, just have a little fun with yeah. it. So I know last time we said the police weren't investigating. Well, then, uh, after there was all this media attention and everything, his ex-girlfriend now is trying to press charges, and the police are investigating and the latest I heard is that it looks like they're getting the surveillance camera footage from the hotel so we can kind of see what happened in the hallways and when they were going down to the valet to pick up his car and everything to see if that sheds any more light on the situation or what happened. Right. Look, I mean, in episode one, I joked around, and I kind of joked around, but I was somewhat serious, too, about Johnny, you know, about having fun and boys being boys and, you know, all that. But in all seriousness... When it comes to the alcohol and, and the cops, when it comes to the point with the booze and the party and where, where you can't do your job, which is be a, a football player or be a boyfriend or be a citizen, if it, if it starts uh, interfering with all that stuff, you know, it, it really is time to start taking a look. I don't care how much oil money you have. I mean, I was I was having fun before, but if it's, it's just getting worse and worse and maybe he does need to hit a rock bottom. I don't know. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, you know, and... Kind of last week we talked about rock bottom being uh, what his dad said was he might not even make the, the age of twenty four. I mean, hopefully that you know is not rock bottom. <laughs> you yeah, know, because that, that that's that's just the end of it. Oh, maybe, you know, maybe this is is kind of, you know his wake up call. He's got like law, you know, law enforcement involved and things like this. And uh, you know, there's gonna be some serious repercussions, and it's gonna be a, a long break in his career. It could be his career. And you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully for him, he, he finds uh, he finds something to, to cling on to and, and be a motivation to just start acting right. Because uh, if he doesn't, um, it's just it's just going to spiral. It's going to get nasty. What is it um, mostly? Is it mostly just is he like just because he's an alcoholic, or is it coke too, or is it both? Uh, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know if it's so much drugs. I mean, I, I think it's just the money and the fame that you know kind of influenced a lot of the drinking and. and Really, it's just partying. I think it's an image thing for him. I think it's attention, and uh, um, it's just it's just always about headlines and, and his picture up on on Twitter or some other social media bullshit, you know. And um, that I mean that that's that's all he's really doing. I mean, in any in any case, you know, I don't think anyone's been really been able to you know confirm that he uh, that he's got you know he's had like alcohol poisoning or, or anything like that. Um, I think this is the first time he's actually really been seriously in trouble with, like, the law or anything. And any other time other than that, it's just he's not complying to some team rules. And I think the Cleveland Browns, um, you know, I think I think they tried uh, to go about, you know, controlling him a certain way. Uh, they definitely failed. I, I think they probably went about it the wrong way. 
uh, in the sense that they, I, th- I think they could have handled it a little bit more delicately. I think they went hardcore saying, like, no, this is the NFL. We're a pro team, and you're going to do it by our rules. And when you when you, when you you draft a Rebel uh, in the first round and you're going to pay him first-round dollars, uh, you know, who, who wouldn't expect this? And, you know, that's why the Browns are the Browns, and, and they, they, if anything, they just fueled in the Manziel's, uh, you know, his personality ever since he, you know, became a success in college, so. Yeah, I mean, with Johnny Manziel, it's always been the drinking that's been the big issue. There's been rumors about cocaine use as well. But we said it. It's one of those things where he might end up not having a pro career after this, especially because what little time he showed in the pros hasn't been outstanding enough to the point where a team is willing to take the risk of signing signing somebody with those issues to be on their team because all the negative publicity that's going to go around along with it doesn't outweigh the positive of having him on the team. Yeah, it, well, it doesn't help either when Cleveland's like, "Oh yeah, he, he's he's definitely got a concussion, man. Yeah, he, he's totally got this concussion. He's not gonna play this that, you know." What? And he he's never even like uh, tested for concussion, was he? Well, no, and, he was, and I think part of that is from what I saw was he showed up. Over. He showed up to the facility. A lot of people on the team and stuff believe that he was hungover. And that was the issue. But he went to the medical staff and said, hey, yeah, uh, I'm having really bad sensitivity to light. I have really bad headaches. And uh, I've been throwing up this morning, which those are symptoms of having a concussion. So the team went and put him through the concussion protocol. And now the debate is whether the team, he told whether it was he was hungover and the team told him to go to the medical staff and say that, or he went to the medical staff on his own and said that, and then got put in the concussion protocol. And either way, it was basically to cover up the fact that he was super hungover when he showed up to work, which is because it is his job to you know be there and be at practice. Yeah, I mean either either way is a, you know it's a big mess. Did not help the situation. I you know like I said a, a couple minutes ago, I just don't I don't think the Cleveland Browns ever helped the situation with Johnny Manziel. Um, well, it's the Browns. You know, it's the Browns, and I mean, I think the only, you know, there's only a few organizations that probably would have had success drafting that guy, and those organizations already have their quarterbacks, so, um, you know, it's one of those things, I I think I think he probably would have been better off getting drafted in a later round, too, you know, not, not being made a, a centerpiece uh, right off the bat. Um, you know, it's kind of shoulda, woulda, it's, it's unfortunate, but the thing for Johnny Menzel is, like we said, He's got to realize, you know, the place he's in because the NFL is going to be the NFL. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to keep sailing without him. Um, you know, they, they, they got their own agenda. They have their own things planned, and, uh, and that, that, that's the that's the league right there. So um, I want to see him play again. That's the thing. I just yeah. wish, I wish he would just get his act together and just and go train. I mean, it sounds. I guess it sounds easy to us, but why doesn't he just just focus on the game? I mean, a guy won a Heisman Trophy. He's got everything going for him. I want to see him go out there. I mean, maybe get lit up, maybe not. I don't care either way. I just want to see him play. I want to see him get a touchdown and start doing the money sign. Yeah. But Yeah, it'd be, it'd be good to see him get out there and, and do the things he did in college. I mean, that's that's what everyone was hoping for. So, well, um, Let's hope he lives past 24, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I'll, I'll in the NFL. Uh, we have the... Uh, 
the, the draft combine this week. Um, I, you know, I've always I always thought it was fun to you know to watch certain clips. Uh, you know, the forty, the bench press, some of the drills that these guys do. Um, I you know I obviously don't want to sit sit around and watch the entire combine. It, you know, it gets pretty boring. Um, it's an all day affair, but it is cool to see some of the drills. See how quick these guys are when, when they put on the slick suits and stuff, and and you know the kind of freakish athletes they are. Um, but you know. In, in Detroit, obviously, comes up is, is Lions. You know, what are they going to be looking at? Um, so they, they got two different ways they can go here um, going into the combine. They have uh, free agents, got a lot of guys being released in the NFL this week, and then they, they have some needs that they can draft. So uh, there's a lot of holes in the Lions right now, and the big thing is Calvin, you know, is he going to retire? All right, well, you want to get into some of that stuff? Yeah, I, I kind of want to talk Kelvin Johnson a little bit. All right. Well, we'll get into that. All right, and we're back, and I want to talk some Calvin Johnson. So, Calvin Johnson, the big, uh, the big mystery this year is, you know, whether or not he will retire. He's made it very apparent that he's he's thinking about it. It's heavy, um, but he hasn't done it yet. So that's raising a lot of questions. And at this point of the year, um, you know, the, the combine coming up, the draft coming up, uh, the season, the new season starting. Pretty much when the combine starts and all the pro days, um, and so what, what is he going to do? You know, and that's going to have a huge effect on the Lions draft. Um, Frank, Frank, what do you think? Um, well, as far I mean, I'm left with the question everyone else is, man: Is it the sabbatical or is it the end? I'm leaning more towards the end. Um, I don't see Calvin being that guy to go uh, hold out and go to a contender. I don't think he's going to leave Detroit. I also don't see him taking a pay cut, which would lead me to believe that he's going to retire. And that's what uh, most quality sources are saying that he was going to do anyways. The only question that remains is, like you said in the break, what's taking so long? And that's what draws, you know, sparks the interest and keeps the curiosity going. Like, why would, you know, you had this, people, some people mentioned uh, waiting until the Super Bowl was over. But it's been weeks, you know, it's been weeks now. Yeah. And, uh you know, I know he has to a certain date. I think it's June or something like that. But I don't know before it starts like costing us more money. But but why wait so long? It's the only question I have. But I truly think he's going to retire, and I believe the sources that are in the local media, like you know Terry Foster, and things like that. I I think he's going to retire. But I, I think it is very very curious why why he's taking so long to just come out and say it. You know, maybe he's really debating coming back. I hope so as a fan. But I'm just telling you what my mind thinks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the year he was all set to retire and then all these people told him, oh, hold on, wait, wait, think about it. And he said, okay, I'm going to think about it. And now he's thinking about it. And now it's starting to be that whole, well, do I really want to retire? I mean, I'm starting to feel better now that we're a month, two months past the end of the season here. You know, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe I can come back and play another year or two. Yeah, and the one thing I could think... I wouldn't put it past the Lions. Just because it's the name, I could almost see them paying him. Could you guys? I could almost see them paying him. Like like paying him the right amount. Like, oh, giving, giving him the payday. Just paying him. You just yeah. Two-year deal. You know, just paying him well, off. Well, they're already paying him a ton of Quinn, money for I don't know if year. Quinn's going to – is wired that way, but I, I, could, I wouldn't put it past the Lions. Yeah, I mean, Quinn's I mean, a guy from New England, and New England's – they're always been – their big thing is – even veterans, if you're going to cost us too much money, we're just going to cut you and we're going to find a cheaper replacement for you. 
Yeah, but you got Martha. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Mother Martha. It's uh, it, it's tough. It's tough because I mean, they say his play is declining, but I mean, God Almighty, even the the decline play of a Calvin Johnson is better than you know half the receivers in the league, and Seriously. you're gonna give that up. The the size, the the red zone threat, the deep threat. Um, I mean, just his his physicality and the, the strength he has. Um, on, on any route he runs is, is pretty awesome and to just let that go you you know maybe maybe that's some of it too maybe it's the lions and, and his and his people uh you know going back and forth a lot of contract talk a lot of paperwork you know there's a lot of things you don't see behind closed doors but um i, I would be curious to see as the weeks go by and time flies toward the draft what, what the lions uh what the lions you know ask of him because at some point, if he's not going to come back, the Lions are just going to have to be like, listen, man, like, if that's it, uh, we, we need you to slap the table, please, because we need to know whether or not we need to draft a, a, a damn receiver. Yeah, he's got to come out He's got to come out and say something, man. And I, part of me, too, this is just me thinking you know, outside the box as a fan. I hope that some of the noise gets into his head a little bit because the one thing, Calvin Johnson's been great, the speed, the size, the athleticism. The one down thing he's had in his career, and it's been it's been very minute, but it's been there, is him being called soft. You know, a worm, kind of a worm boy, and uh, that's the one thing that he's been ridiculed for over the year. Not having the grit, just being kind of a the, the typical Harvard boy. It's a, it's a metaphor, but and uh, maybe he'll get in there and just prove that he's tough. He, he get back, like you said. He, if he can get himself back to 80% of what he was, 75, 80%, man, I'll take that. You know, I'll take that for a year or two. Are you going to take it at $24 million a year, no, though? No. No. That's yeah. the thing is so that, if he does come back, then we need to figure out is he gonna is he willing to take a pay cut to come back? Cause yeah, I don't we need Because it's one of those things where when he's looking at getting $24 million next year, he's not a $24 million player anymore. No. And so, we need that cast face. Yep. Yeah, so e- either way, um, take it or leave it. I want to pose this question. Uh, the NFL draft coming up, always always a good crop of talent. Um, 22 out of the 32 top guys on ESPN, I, I looked at the list here, uh, projected to go in the first round, are defensive players. So keeping that in mind, my question to you guys is, if Calvin stays... Who do they? Who do you think they draft? You can even just go position, or if he if he goes, where they draft in the first round? That's my question for you. Well, I think uh, if Calvin stays, definitely uh, without a doubt they'd have to go anywhere within the front. You know, a D tackle or a DN uh, player, maybe even an outside linebacker, but definitely defense. Even if Calvin goes, man, I think they might have to go with the with the defensive line. I really do. It's put something beside Ziggy. You got Levy coming back healthy, and um, if something's going to be built around here quickly, it's going to be our defense. And if we trust Quinn, he'll he'll make the offense work in the later rounds. We can get if Stafford's who we think he's going to be or is, our offense will be okay. But if if, if something's going to be great, it's going to be the defense, not the offense. We might as well run with it. We got Slay. We got Ziggy. We got Levy. I mean, if you want to throw in Bynes, I like him. You got we got some players, so I would go defense, either tackle or end. 
Yeah, I mean, Devin Taylor looked good towards the end of the year, though. Mm-hmm. Sam might take care of the end situation. I'd really go D-tackle first or middle linebacker because we yeah. released Tullett because he's definitely lost a step this year Thank and he was God. coming out in cert- certain situations. So, I mean, you got to look at it, and if you're the Lions, you go, okay, who's the best value at the pick we're at for D-tackle or, or middle linebacker, and you short that middle of that defense – because we've seen it year after year. The Broncos proved it again this year. Yes, they had Peyton Manning, but Peyton Manning is not the Peyton Manning we grew up watching. He's old, and all he had to do was be a game manager. And that's the thing. If we can have a top-five defense, we can easily be a playoff team, and all we need is Stafford not to make huge mistakes, and just when we give him good field position, get it in the end zone, or give us an easy field goal, and we put points on the board, and our defense keeps the other team off the board. So we're in agreement. Our defense is much closer. Oh, yeah. Our defense, we got, like you said, we got one guy at each level. We got um, Ziggy on the D-line. We got Levy at linebacker. And we got Slay. Even Quinn. I'll throw Glover Quinn. Quinn in, too. Yeah, Glover Quinn's been very uh, played very well for us. And I think he's kind of that veteran presence we need. Mm-hmm. Some of those young guys too. Even the guy, what's the the four year guy out of Texas? That was, I think he's a. I know he's a DB, but he played really well in certain spots last year too. I'll have to look his name up, but uh, so, he played very well too. Here's one more question. So we go defense first round. It sounds like we're we're, we're all in agree that defense is, is with all the talent there. You got to go defense in the first round. Second round. Um, it seems like the defensive side of things is pretty heavy. Would you go defense again in the second round and maybe wait for, say, a wide receiver in the third when there's probably going to be plenty left come third round? I'd wait to the third on a receiver if Calvin retires. If Calvin doesn't retire, I would wait even later. Probably right. fifth. Yeah, I'm just saying if Calvin's gone. Like, no more Calvin, guaranteed. He's gone either to another team. Or, or, or to the winds for his uh, days. Um, second round, where do you go? Uh, Calvin's gone, still second round. I would either, depending on what we picked in the first round, I mean, then you're looking at three positions there. Because then I would be looking defensive tackle, middle linebacker, like I said earlier, whichever one of those we didn't get in the first round, and then also looking offensive tackle. Try and build that offensive lineup a little bit more. Yeah, I'd have to look at the list of uh, look at the list of offensive tackles, but also I, I would really I would maybe wait till the third, but I would really strongly consider uh, trying to find another a number two shutdown corner. But uh, maybe that would have to wait till the third or fourth round if this guy no if this guy is all he's cracked up to be, we can wait to get that. But I think having another corner next to Slay two shutdowns would be. Awesome, especially with what we're trying to talk about acquiring in the first round and what we already have with our D line as it is. So, no, I, Frank, I definitely agree with you. I mean, if you, you've seen the, like you know the last few Super Bowls, uh, the, the team with a dominant secondary um, definitely wins you a football game. You know, Seattle's been a two Super Bowl right right on the back of their, their secondary. Uh, they absolutely decimated the Broncos in, in that one. And then you have uh, you have the last Super Bowl here with uh, Denver, who uh, who had an awesome secondary, and, and they tore up Cam Newton. So the, the secondary is a big deal. 
uh, these days in football because the, the league is so so much more pass heavy. You need two, man. You need two of them, at least. Yeah, definitely. Because the receivers are just so much better now too. I mean, even a lot of these tight ends. The tight ends are so athletic. Um, they're they're kind of not like just these big dudes that they go out for you know the the ten fifteen yard pass. Some of these guys are streaking downfield. You know, like Gronkowski or Olsen. Um, they just have the athletic ability to do that these days. Um, so you, you need you need the secondary to be able to keep up with those guys too. Yeah, but also those t- are tight ends that can block, unlike Ebron, and they also catch the ball, unlike Ebron. I forgot about the Ebron. We could have made we could if we had more time. We could have made a whole segment out of that. Those T-shirts and all that stuff. There's oh my god, Ebron! Ebron is just like oh, let's look at all these amazing players that got drafted after he did. He's a loser. What were they thinking? Yeah, you know what a yeah they when I when I saw that I was like man you had this spot in the draft and you could have just stacked up that defense like you you could have grabbed so many people on the defensive side that was back when they still probably need some help in the secondary man oh man there there are so many people available uh even if you went offense there's a lot of other guys you could have gotten the thing is he's actually getting a little bit better as far as because he sucked or he was injured and then he he played a little bit better but he's just a moron so I mean I don't know he's still what was he like 10th overall pick yeah yeah, that's, I know. A, that's a pretty high pick just for, uh, you know, maybe you know, a tight end who probably wasn't, probably shouldn't have been ranked that high. Um, oh Gerard woke up, by the way. He's over here talking quietly. He's, the Lions are the only well, team to draft a tight end in the first round since, besides fucking Vernon Davis. Welcome, Gerard, to the show. Uh, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry's coming in at the, at the end segment here. Uh, glad you're able to make it, man. Um so, hey, why don't we take a quick break here? When we get back, we'll, we'll close out with some Red Wings talk, and, uh, and that, that'll be it for this weekend, folks. Sounds good. All right, now it's time to talk some Red Wings. And for this segment, I'm, you heard him a little bit there at the end of the last one. We got Jerry here. He woke up. You know, he sleeps because he's got uh, work nights and everything, so he's sleeping during the day. But we got him for this segment. And, I mean, let's start off with the fact that the Wings looked horrid this past week. I don't really know any other way to put it. Um, Thursday against the Penguins was just disgusting. I mean, that was such a horrible game by us. And then yesterday we got both of our goals were kind of bad plays by Carlson. The first one was Carlson tried to clear it and went right in front of his own net, right to Anthony Siu. He put it in the back of the net. Wings are up one nothing. Then next thing you know, down at the other end of the ice, Brendan Smith goes to clear the puck. His stick breaks, and the Senators put it right in the back of the net and were tied up again. Then the Wings... You had what looked like Richards trying to pass it to Green, who had slid down into the slot, and Carlson sticks his stick out there in front of it and tips it in, into his own net. So let's let's break it down. Tough week, not looking good. We're not closing games. We're not winning shootouts. And here we find ourselves eighth in the East. Not good, Joe. Yeah, in a transition time of uh, the season, the, the trade deadline's coming up. Uh, we are one real big game, and unfortunately it's against a team that's, well, I mean, they're in the playoff race in the West, but 
I mean, for them, they, they might not even make the playoffs, so this is like their Super Bowl of the year. Uh, so you really got to hope the Wings show up for the stadium series game. They, they need to understand, uh, just like last year, or you know, even earlier in the, in the bidding, they have got to put strings together, whether it's two or three games, and if they're going to lose, they got to lose hard. So, I mean, last night went down in overtime, but you can't get blown out by the Islanders and the Pens in the same week, uh, no matter who it is. Um, if, if you're going to lose, like I said, you got to go down hard. you got to get that point uh, to just stick around the stands because, you know, like we just said, in, in the matter of three games, we went from second to eighth. Um, that, that's how tight the standings are, so... These one points aren't going to aren't going to fly for much longer either, though, man. We're at we're at eight, and it only gets worse from there, as you know. Right. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, they're they're not going to fly for much longer, and you know, and then that's that's what kind of really ticked me off throughout most of the season. You know, before everyone was kind of ranting, yeah, we had like that 13 game point streak. Well, if you really look at the record, we really only had six wins out of those 13 games. The other games were just you know just tough losses and. I mean, we're getting points and stuff. I get the point system, but um, the value of the win is, is so huge. And so many of those games have we been up with less than five minutes left in the hockey game. And, and uh, the, you know, the, the goalie, uh, the, the defense, and then the forwards all, all out there just cannot shut it down, you know. And it's you got to be aware of the clock. You can't fall asleep. The game's not over until the buzzer sounds. And it's it's pretty it's pretty sad to know that a team in a, in a professional uh, status um, is so unaware of that, you know. And I, I get it, we're missing Cronwall, we're missing we're missing Biggie, um, but you know you got to you got to make it happen. I think it's um, pretty safe to say tonight's a huge game. No, it is. It, it's a back to back, and even more importantly, it's against the Rangers, who are you know far far behind the Capitals. But they're they're pretty good. They're in a pretty good spot right now. Uh, the Rangers are a good hockey team, and so if, if you if you want to see what the Red Wings are, are made of, uh, tonight's night to to see what they got because uh, big game. Boy, boy, big boy, game. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a big game. They they need two points very very badly. Yeah, it's seven thirty. Yeah, seven seven thirty tonight. But uh, you were talking about how we had those injuries on defense with Cronwall and Erickson yep. hurt right now. Uh, I mean, that kind of brings up the fact that there is a defenseman who's rumored to be on the trade block, and it's P.K. Subban. Yeah, uh, Subban, I mean, I mean that, that, that Rangers, I mean, that rumor's uh, kind of kind of come up recently. I don't know how true it is, but it's, it's out there. Uh, the, the biggest issue with him, he carries a $9 million contract. So, I mean, do, do you want him, and do you want his, uh, some of his behavior to, uh, to go along with it? Um, you know, last year in the playoffs, he he made a he made a pretty questionable play, slashing uh, slashing Stone across the wrist, giving that micro fracture. I mean, yeah. Okay, that was a little like far. That, I mean, that was a little far, but the guy produces. Okay. I mean, he does produce points. Yeah. And we need points at this point. I mean, we're still blowing out six to three. We got to score somewhere. I'll take him. And this yeah, is I mean, the Red do we want a black guy on our team? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This is this is my uh, this is this is my like kind of I get my, my terms to get Subban is if we can get rid of Howard, bring bring him in. Howard and maybe like a guy like uh, Trey Erickson. You know he carries a decent contract. 
that's two. It's you know that's almost equal amount there. You know, a little over eight million for the nine million dollar contract. We can make that yeah. work. Um, and honestly, I mean, Subban's going to have to you know take someone's spot on that defense. He might as well trade a roster guy for him. Yeah. The other day that we were talking about, uh, it was uh, Kendall and Howard for Subban was the rumor. Oh, that was the rumor. Yeah. And, I mean, Kendall, he's played recently. I mean, he hasn't. He's never really played bad. He's just not good. He's not good enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's slightly below average. I mean, the guy's not like a liability. It's just it depends. What you know, if you got, if you got a defense on more of a high flying team like Dallas or somebody, I think he'd be a better fit. You know, somewhere down there. But they're not really looking for a defenseman right now. You know, uh, it'd be great if we could trade Kendall for, for one of their younger forwards, but. If that was really the case with Kendall and Howard, I would do that in a heartbeat. We could use some chocolate around here, and he's a great defenseman, seriously. No, I mean, Subban's, I mean, that, that guy, when he when he turns in the in the neutral zone, which is where the Red Wings have really lacked, I mean, Subban can flip flip the ice around on just, just a quick little turn, and that really fuels Montreal, most of Montreal's offense. Him and Pacioretty, that... And I he's mean, got a what, cannon. Yeah, oh yeah, he's got a cannon, he's a right-hand shot. Um, you know, it... And he's pretty, he's still pretty young. I mean, he's not he's not that old. So, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to have him. Will Montreal will Montreal trade their uh, their franchise player? Probably not. Yeah, I mean the the, the only thing that really uh, is going for Montreal is they went from being the top in the East to uh, to darn near the bottom. I mean, like damn, they they've fallen hard and not having Carey Price back there is hurting. So. I can see them wanting a starting goaltender, and if you if you had to make an argument for Howard, uh, the only nights he's really played is on our on our you know back to back nights when we're probably a little tired. Our defense hasn't been at their best, so if if you if you were to give you know Howard a fresh start in front of a you know the the rest of Montreal's defense is pretty good. If you were to give him a fresh start in front of a you know a new system, maybe Montreal could be a place that he could play in. Um, Pack his bags. Yeah, you know, and it, it could, it could, I could see it working for Howard in Montreal. But once again, uh, Montreal to seriously want to make a push, um, and and if not, maybe they just let their season go and get a good draft pick. I, I don't know what they're thinking over there, um, but you, you could also you could also imagine if if, if Subban's going to come over here, they're probably going to demand a, a couple of first round picks for him too. Not not just one. I'm talking two because this guy, like I say, he's a, he's a franchise player. He's got a contract out to 2021, 22. So yeah, but if he's making nine million dollars, that might just be enough leverage right there for the Red Wings to not have to give up that huge. I mean, a large amount of picks. Not too many teams can take out nine million dollars a contract. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. That was um, another point that would make it. That what I was reading about. Yeah, and, but you know, you got to look at the assets we give in return, though. Like if if we trade, say, like a like a Howard and a Kindle back to them. Um, it still doesn't necessarily match the talent level. They, they're 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 assuming they're they're taking a drop in the standings, getting rid of Subban, and and looking to make some moves in the draft. So they're they're going to want to pick in return. I think I don't know. It could go either way. I mean, I, Jerry, I think you're right. Nine million dollars is a lot to take on. So kind of to close it out here, um, we will be uh, shooting our next show after the big game. Uh, in, in Coors Stadium, Colorado. Um, Look at how excited he looks. <laughs> I, I've been I've been excited all year for this, and not even really so much for the actual game, but the alumni game. Uh, 
man, the, those those days were pretty brutal huh? in the late nineties. Um, seeing seeing him go at it, um, you know, Red Wings and Avalanche. It's gonna be a good alumni game, and I think this alumni game might be a lot a lot more different than than any one of them uh, before because a lot of these guys are, are not really that old yet. And uh, I don't know. It would be interesting to see a real fight. In an all, in I was just going to say that yes or no to a real fight breaking out. I'd say yes. Like, do it. I want to see Ricci get his teeth knocked out if he has any left. Remember Ricci? <laughs> Yo, my God. Mike Ricci. I mean, uh, Lemieux's going to be there. I don't Ross think they're going to be playing. Uh, oh, times are much simpler. Brendan Shanahan's then. playing. All right. Well, Shanahan's playing. Darren McCarty might just be psycho enough to drop Claude Lemieux one more time. All right. Yeah, just watch Claude and Lemieux turtle. That, I don't think we have. They kind of gotta go. They gotta go at it, you know. Like, I have I mean, a feeling it's gonna be like the All Star Game fight, though. Where it's just like, oh, let's throw like fake punches at each other because we're alumni no, now. Older. No, they gotta go all the way. Like helmets off, blood, no, no visors. Like it's it's time to it's time to go. And you know, McCarty's best friends with Draper. Draper owns a big gym in Flint, so uh, you know, unless they had to close it down for the water. Uh, <laughs> McCarty, McCarty might have been hitting it. Uh, so you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, who else is in it? I think I think Doug Brown's playing. Uh, oh, we got Manny Legacy between the pipes. Duchesne. They got Sackick's gonna roll out there. Forsberg. Ozzy, Ozzy's in it. Um, Ozzy, need they, the goalie's got to go at it too. Uh, yeah, I. That's yeah. I, man, Eiserman's playing again. Um, I think Larionov's playing. Yeah, he is. I was, hoping, I was hoping Fedorov would show up. Is Fedorov Lindstrom, playing? Lindstrom, can't forget the big guy. Yeah, Lindstrom will be there. I think Murph, Murph is going to play. Dude, there's an argument of talent on that ice that they might be able to make the playoffs if you put them all on the same team. <laughs> you know who's on the team that I was surprised by? He's not that old at all. Was the Conklin, the goalie? Remember him? Oh, yeah, Ty Conklin. He's only like, I mean, he could still be playing. He, like, he must suck, but I mean, whatever. He'll He's be there. play for Detroit, though? Yeah, I think it's just because they need another goalie. Cause, yeah, he's playing for Because would he play for a couple seasons after we lost to the Penguins? He was, he was on yeah. our team when we won the Cup. Yeah, he's a backup. Was he on the team? No, he wasn't. He was, he was a backup the following year. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he came backup. from uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's right. I don't like Yeah. <laughs> It's gonna be a it's gonna be a great it's gonna be a great experience to watch, man. I mean, it's I hope it lives up to the what we expect. I I like the concept of outdoor hockey, and I think there should be more of it, personally. Yeah, so do I. And you know what? It's funny you say that, Jerry, because I have a, I have a wild idea. I wanted to say this as a, as a surprise for you guys. Uh, it's a little treat. So here here's my idea, and and it, I kind of stick this off. You know, me and Jerry were coming up with ideas last week for the NBA All Star Game. What if? What if the alumni game was worth something to the organization if they won? So, if, say the Red Wings alumni team beats the Colorado's alumni team, the Detroit Red Wings get two free points in their standings for that win. I don't think you can give points in the standings. That's pretty. I mean, you know that's gonna make it competitive, but you could do some kind of like bonus. No, Put a million on it, like the All-Star game. Put a million bucks I wanna, on it. I want to see these guys. I want to see these older guys, you know, go hard. I want to see someone pull some muscles. <laughs> I want to, you know, I want to... I want to. You're going to see a senior citizen get seriously injured, is what you want to no, see. No, no. The, the old guys can't play anymore. It's got to be like, you know, four or five years removed from the league type guys. And I want to see them, you know, work out, get back into it. I want to see Eisenman, you know, back in good shape, Shanahan. Uh, I want to see him hit. 
I want to see him do what they used to do, and uh, I wanted I wanted to get nasty. I think that'd be awesome. I mean, it'll never happen. But yeah, I was gonna say man, that, that would be to see a see a game. I mean, could you just could you just imagine all these these old guys, all their old man strength, like just getting out of line? You know, like <laughs> what's anyone gonna say? You know, I mean, you put some cash on it though. They'll play. I mean, McCarty, we know needs it, right? Yeah, I mean, McCarty might get a hat trick. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, it's gonna be exciting. That's but for, sure. for lovers of uh, outdoor hockey, the Wings and uh, Maple Leafs will be playing in the uh, New Year's game next year. It looks like in Toronto again. Yeah, Babcock. Babcock. The, the rematch, huh? No, no, it's in Toronto. Yep. Do they even have outdoor stadiums in Toronto? It's so damn cold. Toronto uh, FC, the soccer team. Yeah. Oh. They got the soccer team. I, I know the uh, the Blue Jays. Their their baseball stadium, the the um, the Here. roof or tracks. Yeah, the Rogers Center. Yeah. So I mean, technically, you know, they they'd probably be able to keep the snow off the ice and everything until the game. And they could just open up the the ceiling. That'd be pretty cool. Very. Yeah, but I I mean I have heard that it's a rumor that it's going to be uh, the stadium where Toronto FC, the MLS team in Toronto, plays. Okay. Red Wings again, though, huh? That, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's a good rivalry. And... Yeah. I'm just trying to think of some teams that really haven't gotten a, a crack at it yet. Um, some, some of these outdoor games. Um, well, they can't really put an outdoor rink in Arizona, Joe. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, though, like, they could they put it in Toronto, but they have another Eastern Conference team come up and play. Like, like uh, you know, Toronto and New Jersey had a, had a couple good series, uh, you know, in the early 2000s. Um, now I don't even know if New Jersey's been in an outdoor game yet, so that'd be, that'd be pretty interesting. But yeah, yeah I you mean, never know. it is one where anytime you did an outdoor game, you'd have to have like team if you wanted to do any of the warmer climate teams that had to be on the road for it, right? And then, yeah, Frank did just have a good idea. You could do like two warm weather teams that have him play like a neutral site game somewhere yeah. in that would be a northern climate. You could market that, you know? Yeah. Desert teams playing in the, in the snow or something. I mean, you do something like Tampa Bay, Florida. Florida. Kings, Ducks, like in Canada or somewhere. Or yeah, or like a state, that, like, speaking like Joe did last week, Wisconsin, played at Lambeau Field, like famous venue, but they don't have a hockey team there. Hmm. Well, Vancouver Vancouver could host a team. Vancouver could host a game up there. They could host Phoenix or somebody, you know. Phoenix is kind of up and coming, and they're, they're in the same uh, division, I think, so... Yeah, that might that could be a good game. Well, I was just rolling uh, with Frank's uh, neutral site idea. Yeah. Aren't they the Arizona yeah, I mean, Coyotes now, Joe? What's that? Is it the Ariz? They're not Phoenix anymore. They're Arizona, right? Oh, did I say Phoenix? Yeah. Shame so, on you. Shame on you. I'm caught. I'm caught between the two names of the the dumbest idea for you know a place for a team in, in the league. Jeez, oh, Pete. <laughs> hey, I got an idea. Uh, let's go in the middle of the desert where it's 100 degrees year-round and put a slab of ice and get a hockey team down there. Everyone's going to come and watch, too. And howl. They yeah. won't go bankrupt to be owned by the league. Hey, they're building a stadium in Las Vegas. Yeah, the, it looks like uh, Las Vegas and Quebec's going to get a team. Uh, I mean, Quebec makes sense. They, I still don't understand how Winnipeg and Quebec ever lost their teams, but Las Vegas... You think they're bringing the Nordiques back? I hope so. Yeah, I think I think they're going to be the Nordiques. That'd yeah. be sick. 
Uh, that'd be that'd be pretty cool if there's like their old like it's gonna have some like new, you know, some new things to it, like kind of like the Jets jerseys and stuff. But um, yeah, that'd be awesome if they're the Nordiques again. This is cool. There's four of us. It's kind of got like a crosstalk feel to it, you know. Like yeah, this. I think uh, Las Vegas. I, I've seen I've seen the new the new stadium they're building there, like the new arena or whatever it is. It looks pretty cool. Um, so it'll, it'll be a cool place to play. But that that town is just. It's not like people really like. It's not. It's like there's like a firm base of people that live there. Like, yeah, we're we're for our pro sports teams. Like, nah, it's it's like a, it's like a tourist stop. You know what I mean? It's it's a place people go to come in and then they leave after the weekend. You know, it's I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but there. I mean, there is some like I know they did that whole season ticket drive to try and show the league how much interest there is for a team out there, and they did generate. Uh, good, decent amount of season ticket sales, so there are people there who do want a team. They'll be yeah. able to turn that thing. Everything's a show in Vegas. They'll have freaking strippers at mid ice if they have to to get people out there. Yeah, I, would, I wonder. What, I wonder what their team name would be. The Dice or something. The, the Cards. Sinners. I don't know. <laughs> so the Gamblers. Maybe not um, in this politically correct world, but it should be the Gamblers. I mean, I don't know what's politically incorrect about that. Well, gambling addiction, you can have a bunch of GA yeah. out there. Uh, fixing games and stuff like that, you know, that whole... you got to make sure you draft some players who don't like drinking either, man. You can't take them to Sin City and have them out there skating around. Get Patrick Kane over there, trade him to the... Trade him oh, to the my Vegas God. Team. I think he might yeah, demand a, a trade to the Las Vegas team. Am I going to control some of these, these, these guys that go over there? Some of the superstar young... Players that they could end up having, you know, from a from drafting high for a couple of years. Some of these guys might might get lost on the way to the rink. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. It looks like uh, they're looking. They're both looking to start the same year that Detroit opens a new arena, which is also going to be pretty intense. Um, that that'll be fun to see the new district. Yeah, I mean the Wings got that whole stadium. Next season's going to be farewell to the Joe. So. Yeah. Like I said before, man, they got a new stadium coming. They got Dylan Larkin, nineteen. They need a, they need a trade. They need they need to get somebody to play with him. I'm telling you, whether it's this year or next year, they better find somebody. We shall see. All right, boys. Well, all right. I uh, I, th- I think uh, I think I'm all I'm all talked out of, talked out of hockey for today. Um, it's about as good as we can do for a February slow day, man. Yeah, today was today was just a slow day. I mean, it's just a slow time of the year. We had some when we hit March Madness, that's when a bunch of that's fun. when life's gonna start getting crazy. Oh yeah, March Madness about to start, and then right after that, you got hockey playoffs going. Oh yeah, this is that time we kind of got to catch your breath before everything starts to kick off again. One last question: Do you guys think Golden State's gonna break the Bulls seventy-two and ten record? They're forty-nine and five right now, I believe, or fifty and five. Yeah, I think they're going to do it. I think they'll do it. I think no. I want them to do it, but I'm with Frank. I say no. I don't think it's possible. I don't think they'll win more. If, so they, if, they, if they don't do it, it'll be close. It'll be like 11 Oh, it's going to Yeah, that's true. It's definitely going to be close. For All right. sure. Yes or no, boys? You I said stance. yes. Right. I'm, I'm saying yes. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm saying yes. My, my official is, is yes on Golden State. They're just so damn good, man. God. Seth Curry with the shot, boy. Curry, I mean, he doesn't miss from the three. I mean, when you hit that many threes, it's just, this is so many. 
God, it's just so many points. I mean, they could, I mean, if you look at the scores, dude, they give up like 115 a game, but they're they're up at damn near 150. So I mean, what difference does this make for them? They don't have to play defense. <laughs> they What's actually, I think they're ranked number two in defense in the league. Really? Last year they were number one. They were number one in offense and defense until the very end of the season. No way. Yeah, no, they do play some pretty good defense. But they, they do, do. I mean, that fast pace does tend to give up a lot of points. But I think that's all for this week. And we'll see you next weekend. Hopefully all four of us for the whole show, right? Yep, yeah, hopefully next weekend we'll be all four of us for the whole show for the first time. It was great getting Jard in here for the last segment. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash revolutionarysportsfront, twitter.com slash rsfpodcast. The show is at revolutionarysportsfront.com. You can easily find us on Google as well. Also, uh, one thing we'd love to do on this show is we'd love to have a segment where we answer you know, fan questions about our opinions on things. Or also just talk about topics that are suggested to us by the fans. So you can do that by submitting them through Facebook or emailing us at revolutionarysportsfront at gmail.com. And thank you for being a part of the sports revolution. See you guys. Later.